Oftentimes, we have to look at the past in order to build the future. And on this episode, I take a little trip down memory lane, and I do that with a very special guest. As today, I am with the guy that is behind the guy, literally, as together we are building the future. This is the Building the Future podcast. I am your host, the Lumberjack, Brett Thorne. On this show, we explore topics including construction, building materials, real estate, remodeling, housing market, industry news, new products and trends, technology, government, everything you need for building the future. Welcome back to the Building the Future podcast. I am your host, Brett Thorne, and this episode is a little bit different of an episode for multiple reasons. Typically, I like to come up with a topic or genre that is beneficial to our industry and then find those that are experts or experienced and knowledgeable in that topic. Whereas this episode is more about the individual than it is about the topic. Furthermore, this will be my first in-person episode since the beginning of the pandemic. On this episode, I am with my father, Mr. Pat Thorne. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Brett. Pleasure to be here. Start off, Pat, let's go all the way back Tell us a little bit about your introduction into this industry. Well, I think it's one of those stories that is just uh, almost inexplainable in terms of how you got into it and uh, why. But I started out working in the industry for a wholesale distributor while I was in college. I was just looking for summer work and work uh, when I wasn't in school. And uh, here, many, many years later, I'm still in the building material industry. Wow. So into it, just looking for a job, really, uh, like you said, some summer work while you were in school. But what is it that's kept you here so long? Well, opportunity. I believe would be a, uh, a pretty important word in that. And, the, you know, comfort is another uh, word you could use. Uh, and enjoyment. Uh, enjoy the building material field. Uh, and like I said, it presented some opportunities because once I got out of school, I was given an opportunity to make a career out of that with uh, one of the same companies I worked with and worked for while I was in college. And then I got an opportunity to uh, have our own business. And so uh, one thing led to another, and uh, here we are many years later. And I like how you said comfort there, because um, I kind of relate comfort, especially when it comes to a career path and employment. You know, I, I relate that a little bit with security, knowing that you've got good secure field, you've got an industry that has a demand and always will. And I've said on the show many times before that, you know, this is an industry that is critical. It's vital to survival. You know, having a roof over your head is ranks right up there with oxygen. So 
for that reason, the building materials industry, I think, is always going to have a sound future and always going to have that comfort and that security, knowing that there is always going to be a need for what we provide. So let's dive into that just a little bit. Got into this back as a part-time job in school. When was that? Do you remember the year? <laughs> oh, yes. It was 1971. 1971. So we are a 50-year mark. And you said you were started there when you were in school, but then you also took a position with one once you got out of school. So how many years total were you with the wholesale company? Well, companies, I, sorry. I, I spent from uh, actually 1971 in the spring of 71 until uh, uh, about the first quarter of 1988 was, uh, you know, my career in the wholesale building material field. What roles did you play in the wholesale side of the industry? Well, basically up until I made that my full-time job, which was in uh, June of, of 1974. When I was working, uh, while I was in school, I was usually working outside in the warehouse, uh, and did some uh, truck driving delivery work, Really, it was almost one of these deals that, that uh, and, and like what a lot of people have to do in uh, the building material world today is, uh, you know, you had to wear many hats. And, and of course, uh, at that point in time, I didn't know it was going to be a career for me and, and trying to be a good employee. Why, you know, I was uh, happy to do whatever, uh, whatever they asked me to do. Okay. And then what was your roles after that? Well, then when I got out of uh, college, um, I started looking around at what uh, what I wanted to do for a career, and uh, uh, of course, having some familiarity with the uh, uh, wholesale uh, people and the people I had worked with, I had an opportunity to come back to Mid Missouri at that time and go to work in their home office in Moberly, Missouri, and. Uh, I felt like that that was, uh, uh, well, it was something I knew a little bit about. The company was somebody I knew a little bit about, and I felt very uh, comfortable to uh, let that be uh, the start of my career. Okay. Uh, what was your, your position? Basically, inside sales was the, uh, was the main thing. And then how did you progress through the ranks from there, up until 88 when you left? Well, having... Uh, familiarity with the company and uh, knowing about their and working at their operation in Chillicothe, Missouri, which was their other warehouse at that point in time. The gentleman that was running that warehouse uh, in October of 1975 moved on to another job and uh, they gave me the opportunity to come up uh, back to Chillicothe to the warehouse, which was basically my hometown area. And uh, I was a warehouse manager from uh, October of 75 up until I actually left in 88. So in this 50 years of working with, dealing with, working for wholesalers in the distribution channels, what can you say are some of the biggest changes that you have seen in that sector of our industry? On the uh, wholesale side? Wholesale distribution, yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. distribution, I mean, yes. Well, just like in many other things, in many other industries, you have seen consolidation. Uh, you see uh, less people out there doing the same things. And what I mean is, is supplying products to lumberyards, 
like us. There are less distributors, wholesalers, however you want to classify them, out there doing that. Is that because of the consolidation, or is that just because of people leaving the market, the distributors and wholesalers leaving the market, in your opinion? Oh, uh, a big part of it is consolidation, and and as you see it now, I mean, uh, there are a few of them that have been acquiring others, even, you know, within the last, what, 12, 15 months. I really haven't kept up with that that much, but uh, there are um, wholesale distributors or whatever that that have... uh, uh, you know, been acquired by somebody or whatever, and so you have less numbers there. And something, too, that I am sure has uh, has contributed to this is the fact that uh, back when I was uh, uh, running the Cholkadi operation for the uh, distributor, uh, there were a lot more retail outlets out here in the North Missouri, Southern Iowa market that we were serving than what there is today. And so uh, when there's less people for them to serve, probably also brings on, you know, why uh, distributors would consolidate, the same as they are on retail too. Those two things, there's a lot of similarities there. And with the consolidation that you've talked about and less people being in the field from the wholesale side, are these wholesalers, are they providing more products and services as they are consolidating, growing, getting bigger? Or are the products and services staying the same? It's just you don't have as many companies offering them. Yes, they are supplying different products and services, additional ones than what they were back, you know, many years ago when I was uh, fully involved in that side of the business. More products, uh, different services, and different service levels. Uh, one thing that, that jumps out at me is that many of the distributors, back when I was uh, working in that field, normally the service level of, of delivering product to your customers, I'm talking about the wholesalers delivering it to the lumberyards, in our areas it was only done uh, once a week by the distributor. Now many of them are doing it maybe two, three, four times a week to the uh, same customers. So that's a, a very distinct service level that has been changed on that. But you'd almost have to think that would be uh, cause and create a lot more logistical challenges to have to run multiple routes every week versus running a single route every week. Oh, I'm sure it does. I haven't really talked to anybody about that that's on that side, but I mean, I, I think just kind of stepping back and taking a view at it, you gotta, you got to feel like that it does. Uh, but I think probably uh, the consumer has kind of driven that demand. I mean, if you think about it, uh, uh, you know, uh, it's not just manufacturing that's in the just-in-time uh, delivery or just-in-time inventory. Uh, uh, I, I think uh, it goes <laughs> in many phases up and down the line. And you'd have to think from the retail side, that's got to improve their turns because now they're not having to hold inventory nearly as long, knowing they can get it two and three times a week versus saying, okay, I've got to have at least a minimum of week supply on hand, being I'm not going to get to see that truck again until next week. Okay, let's flip the script on that just a little bit. Is there anything that you can point, one or two things that you that are, are steadfast, have held true from the wholesale side that 
have not changed in 50 years? Well, I guess quickly coming to mind would be the need for service. And I say that thinking of service in more than one light, not just the delivery service, not uh, not any one specific thing that this is the magic pill for service, but uh, taking care, you know, from the wholesaler standpoint or from my standpoint as a customer. Okay, uh, is the distributor taking care of me when I have an issue? And I'm not talking about, you know, maybe it's an issue that, hey, I really need this, uh, uh, I really need extra or I need information on this. I need uh, I need uh, guidance on uh, what product does my customer, you know, here's here's what our here's what we're looking to do. Which one of your products should should we be selling the customer? Should the customer be using to complete their job or whatever? And and then it's the service too of trying to fulfill your needs in more more ways than one. It's not just product, it's helping you to be competitive. It's, it's, it's helping to train you and train your people and educate you about the various products that uh, XYZ manufacturer makes here and, and the distributor can go a long ways in, in uh, helping us to uh, uh, train our people uh, of, of product knowledge. And so there's a lot of different things. And so I, I believe that's something that has always, always been there. It changes, but in, in the broad sense, it's still a service level. And, and, and that's something that has, has always been there, that first thing that comes to my mind. Sure. And, and you see a lot of other industries, since you talk about that, you know, that have shifted that service level to the, the non-personal, you know, the online, the, the um, automated stuff. I'll give you a perfect example of banking, you know, ATM machines. People can do their online banking. People no longer have to call in and talk to the tellers. They have to go and talk to the people at the bank. They can go up to a machine. They can put their card in. They can get on their phone. They can transfer balances. They really don't need that service level that you're talking about. Uh, another industry I think of is the automotive industry. Yeah, when you need to get... <laughs> pun intended, service work done on your vehicle. Yes, you got to go to somebody. But when you're shopping for that new car, I mean, you can find so much information online, all the specs, you know, what it's going to be, miles per gallons and everything, fuel economy, all of that, what all the offerings are, where maybe our industry, you need those channels of communication and channels of guidance and information to get all of that. Is that something you would think that holds our industry back a little bit, or is that something that tie, keeps our industry more tightly knitted together? Well, that's a that's a uh, interesting uh, question. As you were talking there, I was thinking about uh, you know there's a lot of information out there online about various products and uh, 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 so forth uh, that. You know, these manufacturers, they have stuff out there that, that uh, some of this uh, uh, product training I'm talking about that, that we were getting from, from the distributor now, some of the manufacturers are putting those things out there. But there are other things that go a little deeper, and I, I would give you an example. Uh, well, what I'm really thinking of is 
back in my wholesale days uh, when we were talking about um, shingles as an example, and I think of a couple of other product lines too, but shingles in particular, uh, that same shingle manufacturer, uh, but they had a specific product category that was used a lot in Colorado, but it was not available here in Missouri. They did, and they they shipped both times out of a plant out of uh, Kansas, the manufacturing facility, but that product was not available in our market. And that's just one example. There's been several situations over the years that of, well, XYZ manufacturer makes this product and they make that product, but they're not all available to all markets. So therefore, uh, uh, and you know, sometimes uh, 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 you've got to know where to go to find the answers to this. And uh, it may not be that simple uh, uh, online or whatever. Uh, that they they tell what market this is available. Of course, back in the days I'm talking about with the shingles, uh, <laughs> there was uh, there was no internet back in those days, and and you know, but but that was just something I know that 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 came to uh, uh, that came to mind, and and uh, okay, well let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's get into our DeLorean and let's go back to the future. Let's go to that 1988 that you were talking about when you. Sh- went from the wholesale side of the industry to now the retail side of the industry. What can you tell us about that? Uh, Probably the big reason, the the overwhelming reason would have been that I kind of wanted to sprout my wings a little more, so to speak, and be out on my own. And that's where the opportunity presented itself was to buy an... uh, an existing operation, and uh, granted, it was on a different, in the same industry, <laughs> in in big broad terms, but it was just a different area of that industry. And and what can you tell us about the progression from 1988 to here we are now, 2020? Well, as far as the uh, progression of our business, uh, we of course bought the. Uh, our first uh, uh, lumberyard and took over in uh, 1988. We really, uh, really enjoyed. We ventured out with a, uh, another uh, young couple and, and bought a, uh, a lumberyard in Trenton, Missouri. And uh, that was a partnership and we had an agreement that after X years that uh, uh, they could have the opportunity to buy us out and uh, they exercised that deal. Uh, we uh, wanted to do more, so we opened a uh, lumberyard in, uh, in uh, Cameron, Missouri, and we operated three for a while. Then, as I said, we sold out to, to our uh, partners in Trenton, and we kind of kept looking for other opportunities. And uh, finally, in uh, 2008, we had the opportunity to buy our the location we have in Plattsburgh, Missouri, and... Uh, of course, the, uh, the uh, big uh, downturn hit in 2009, not out in the rural area for us, but we knew it was coming. And, and so uh, um, uh, that kind of uh, uh, basically was the, kind of the end of our uh, growth plans. And, and uh, we've uh, had the good fortune of uh, having the three operations, uh, having all three of them since 2008. And as I said, uh, 
we we opened an operation in Cameron, and uh, and I, and one experience I would tell you we'd uh, we'd bought three and opened one. It's a lot easier to buy them than it is to open one from ground zero. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen on the retail side? You know, there's been a lot of changes over the years. We find that we do business a little differently. Well, and, and just as you said, uh, you know, the, the Internet is out there. And, you know, those customers that have time, that want to, uh, uh, they could go do a lot of shopping on the Internet or information gathering. To go way back in the starting point, when we first bought the lumberyard, Contractors were the main source of our business. We did sell to the general public. We sold to the municipalities, the school districts, and whoever. But the contractors were the majority of our business and always have been. But one of the things that is a big, big change, back in those days, you contracted with uh, one of the local contractors to build a house, do a room addition, build your garage or whatever he's going to do. They did almost all of it. Probably not the heating and cooling, maybe not the plumbing, but everything else they did. And today, it's all specialized. If you go to one of our contractors today, he has a subcontractor he works with to do the concrete work, to do the, uh, uh, maybe to do the rough end or to do the finish and to do the insulating and and uh, many, it's broken down into many parts to do the roofing, as an example. And so that part has been a, an ongoing change. And I'm pretty sure it's happened in the uh, uh, city markets, uh, the urban markets, uh, much quicker than, than it came out here to the rural area. But, but we are seeing that. That's a, uh, a big, big difference. And of course, the uh, products that people use, uh, and uh, for the most part, uh, 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 really they're better today than, than they were, and uh, uh, what people pay uh, attention to, as an example, better windows and doors that are more energy efficient, actually doing a better job of insulating uh, maybe putting more insulation in the walls and in the attic and so forth to be more uh, to make their uh, uh, home more energy efficient. I'm sure there's uh, many, many things I'm not thinking of right now, but but those are some that come to mind. Okay, so now that we've talked about some of the changes like we did before, what are some of the things that have been constant on the retail side over the last 50 years? Well, I think the, the constant has been that our, our customer that we're serving, uh, and I'll go back again more to the, uh, first of all, I'll break it into a couple of parts. The, uh, or th actually, you can break it into three or four parts, but the customer we're serving, depending on, on uh, which area they're in, and what I mean, is it a contractor, is it a municipality, is it a school, is it the do-it-yourself customer or the buy-it-yourself customer? We've always had those customers. And so uh, even though that, that uh, maybe in, in particular in the general contractor side, they're not doing all of the same things they used to do, but they are still running the job. They are the ones that are 
seeing completion of the job and that all the pieces fit together basically for the homeowner that has gone to them and say I want you to build me a house or I want you to you know do a major addition or I want you to build me a garage or a barn or whatever the general contractor is still the one that is running the entire operation and and more or less I think is taking the responsibility to see that that it is uh, done and if we go back to the uh, let's go to the municipality or the school uh, system as an example and 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 most of the kind of products that we're going to sell those people are basically uh, uh, repair products and uh, uh, you know things that they will need for that now the do-it-yourselfer and and that one has not has not changed as much as like what the contractor is because if they're doing it themselves then they're going to go out and do whatever their capabilities are the the job that their capabilities are and uh, and and so I see that as as much more the same however I think uh, maybe when we first uh, uh, started in 88 I'm not sure the do-it-yourself uh, field was well it wasn't looked upon or it wasn't exactly the same as it is today I mean you know, and, and there's been times that, that the do-it-yourself has really been, you know, in the industry ha has really uh, been quite a lot going on there. And I'm not sure there's quite as much of that right now, to be very honest with you. I think there's maybe more people that are interested in, in uh, looking at things, but I think they're also interested, too, in somebody doing it for them, you know, doing the labor part for them. Mm -hmm. And you'd mentioned there a little bit earlier on the construction side, you know, you, things have become more specialized. You've got the industry, you don't have your general contractor that is doing the entire project from foundation to finish. He is subbing a lot of that out. How has that changed the retail market as far as what the retailers are supplying? Well, in some cases, the retailers are still supplying the product, but they're supplying it to a specialized workforce. Uh, as an example, we'd say roofing, okay? Uh, to, uh, in, in many cases, the retailer is still selling the roofing to the roofer, but that's all that, that's all that customer's buying is roofing and roofing products that, to do a roof. And, and uh, uh, then sometimes, though, too, you get into specialty areas that maybe uh, there's a specialty supplier that comes in and, and uh, uh, supplies those products. Uh, we'd uh, uh, take, uh, for the most part, uh, uh, insulation as, a, as an example there that the insulation installers, most of them are buying from specialty uh, uh, supply houses that that's what they deal in, or drywall as an example. Many times uh, uh, the company that puts up the drywall in this building project, uh, uh, they may be getting that uh, product from a specialty house. Now when you say a specialty house, are you talking about a distribution channel or are you talking about somebody that's going to be a retailer still, that is going to be selling to the general public? No, I'm talking about somebody that's more of a, that's, uh, that is just dealing with those specialty contractors. They're really not, they're not in the market to deal with the general public. They're just, they're just wanting to supply that 
contractor base. However, but they're still supplying to the end user though. They're not going through another channel to get it no, to. Yeah. No. So, so basically uh, you, like you talked about your roofing suppliers, for example, you know, maybe instead of a full blown lumberyard that also offers roofing, you're talking about a roofing supplier that says we are just going to do roofing or uh, just a few specialty items, but we're going to have the depth to carry multiple lines and multiple colors. Um, you see a lot of that in some of your deck supply places and things like that. So more specialty suppliers, as, especially retailers, as well as the specialty contractors in a sense. Yeah, I think that's a, I, I think that's a, a good, uh, good example of that. And, and, and I think another thing, too, is those specialty suppliers uh, would cover a lot larger market area than the general lumberyard would. Uh, you know, they might cover uh, a huge area because they have a, you know, in essence, compared to what a lumberyard or a home center would carry, uh, they have so many less items that they have to have a big geographical market area to, to afford to uh, have that product and to, to be in that game, so to speak. So they got to have the volume, basically. Absolutely, those are vo those items like the the roofing and the drywall are absolutely volume uh, volume items. So now that we've kind of covered the fifty years of well, we've really taken it all the way down the channels. We've started with wholesale and distribution. We've talked retail. We've talked even the construction side, the field side of it all. What are your thoughts with 50 years of experience on what the next 50 years could bring? Have no idea. <laughs> if things change so bad, I, I will tell you this. I don't know what they're going to be. I do believe this, though. I believe the changes will probably come faster, just as most change is faster today than what it was 25 years ago and certainly 50 years ago and whatever. But I guess uh, if you're just going to have to throw a dart at the wall, I think some things like consolidation and growth, regardless of which segment of the market you're talking about, less distributors, less retailers, less whatever, and, and possibly even on those specialty uh, contractors, uh, you know, I could see that uh, the number of companies available to choose from out there uh, dwindling down some, but the one you do choose uh, down the road will be bigger than the one you would choose today. And, they, and, and the smallest one down the road may be bigger than the biggest one today. Yeah, it, it'll be interesting. You know, we're talking about, um, you know, how things have become specialized. Let's take, for example, a new home. Have we kind of plateaued out on what services can be specialized on that? Or will that continue to go deeper and deeper and deeper? My first uh, thought on that is that probably not a lot more specialization in the labor side of that. Now, could well be wrong. It may depend on what you're talking about. I don't think you're going to see the, the roofing installers uh, split off into a couple of more groups of, of something. But now, one thing you might see, though, more specialization in might be like on finished products in the home, particularly, say, your uh, uh, kitchen, bath type 
finished products, you could see things there that, that maybe somebody is, okay, they're a specialist in installing this type of flooring and that's all they're going to do. Yet there may be several types of flooring that could be in the kitchen or in the bath or in the house as far as that goes, but they're only going to do one thing and that's it. You had brought something up earlier about, uh, about decking. I, uh, way back when I started in the uh, retail side of the business, uh, treated uh, decks were just uh, kind of just starting to come out and uh, cedar and redwood was uh, was the uh, uh, you know the products that had been used more often and of course there wasn't near as many decks and and my goodness today they've got so many different decks and railing systems and deck products and whatever i could see a situation it may not happen i could see a situation though where that the specialist contractor says i only install XYZ deck and XYZ uh, uh, railing system and whatever. What about as far as larger metro marks? You, know, you get your track builders, you guys that have, you know, and they're not quite as bad as the Henry Ford Model T. You can get it any color you want as long as that color is black, but they may only have six floor plans. And yeah, they've got reversals of those, but they'll go in and do whole subdivisions with six floor plans. So, I mean, that's kind of taking the same concept, just taking it to a larger scale, in a sense. Not a specialist on that or, or particularly well-versed, but I'm just putting two and two together here. But going back to the Henry Ford concept, the less choices that they have to do, the more efficient their labor is. You got the custom, and that's exactly what that is. It is done to the homeowner's specifications of rooms and this and that and so forth. But then you have what we call the spec home, which the builder is actually going out there or developer, whoever, that's financing the thing is going out there. And we're going to build this building plan, as you called, or this floor plan. And, you know, and these are the products we're going to have in it, so forth and so on. And in efficiency uh, situation, they go out here and they build this uh, same house a block down the street or maybe they flip-flop the plan or whatever or this or that. But the more the labor builds that specific plan, the more efficient they become doing it. I would not say that's going to change a bunch at all. I would come near saying the change would come near being uh, less specs and more uh, uh, custom okay. in, in terms of the total houses built in an area in a time frame. Okay, so let's go on down that uh, rabbit hole just a little bit. If, we, if we're saying, okay, maybe less specs, more customs, let's take it one level deeper and let's go to that true end user, that homeowner. What are they looking for? Are they looking for more turnkey packages yeah they still want custom but are they getting less involved in wanting to do less well it's even like you said with the diy they seem to be doing less and less want less interaction less touches on the project are they wanting to have one point of contact and that's it and letting that point of contact then do all the shuffling of all of the the specialty suppliers the specialty labor sources and all of that, or 
Or, or what do you see as the that trend? I think it depends on where, what level you are at as a home buyer. And I'm not trying to stereotype people here, but, but traditionally the first time buyer needs a, a less expensive home. Also, they may not pay as much attention to detail. Well, I wish this room was this size, or I wish this room was here or there. But if they're fortunate enough to buy that first home and then uh, uh, be able to move up uh, to a different home, then I think that, that you know, uh, their experience in saying, well, I wish we'd had this, I wish we'd have done that, I think that enters into the, to the factors. I think the economy also may make a difference on some of those things, particularly about the speed. And the reason I say that is, and of course we're living in unprecedented times right now, but people are probably today a little more anxious to get it in, get it done than they were last year this time. And I think that somewhere down the road that will come back. You know, we take that all the way down to the fact that uh, we will see times when, uh, when there's an awful lot of work out there, you'll see a lot more people that are quote unquote contractors but as uh, business uh, slows up, then usually those people are the ones that go out of the business to go do something else because they're not getting work. And, uh, and I've seen that over the years many times. Uh, and and they, the, you know, you've got some that have uh, weathered the storms and some that can't. And that doesn't mean anything bad about those that can't. Sometimes it's just bad timing on their part. As far as the industry as a whole and the future of the industry and our labor source, or just people coming into this industry in general is depleting it dramatically. And then you couple that with the fact that we've got a industry that has a lot of tenure in it, a lot of experience, but we are going to start seeing some mass exodus and retirement out of this industry. What can you say on that or do you have any thoughts on that as far as the future of the industry? and? Well, I'm not sure, but trying to be an optimist, I'm hoping that it's just a cycle we're in that at some point in time, our industry will become again something that younger people are going to want to get into. Uh, the generations coming up uh, that, you know, at, at some point they're going to see, well, there's opportunity here. And I think you probably have, uh, uh, I, I can't quote any right now, but I think if you probably look at other industries, I think you could probably see some of the same things. And there's probably some that, that just like ours, they're not, uh, you know, people aren't coming into it near as much as they used to. Are we going to see the price due to high demand and low supply? drive up and then entice more people into this industry? Hadn't thought of it that way. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know. I do believe you're talking about material and product supply. 
supply and pricing? All of it. Labor. I mean, you look at some oh, yeah, of the okay. materials and stuff okay. done, but you look at what labor's doing now because, you know, I remember years ago they said you could take you could take your rough estimate on a new home, take your materials and double it, and that's going to cover your labor and your materials. Well, now you can't do that because they say you can't double that and cover your labor because labor has become so much more expensive because of the labor shortage. And I question if that's going to continue if people aren't paying more and more and more for good qualified labor that this is now encouraging people. People are now looking at this as a, not that it's not a viable industry, but a thriving industry to say, wow, there's a lot of money that can be made there. I'll give you a perfect example. You look back at the housing boom we had earlier at the beginning of this millennium, back before the housing bust, obviously, and there were people leaving other industries coming into this industry Probably not so much on the labor side, but more on, you know, general contracting. They were building spec homes. They were investing money in that because they saw such great opportunity and such great potential there to earn good income. Is that something that you see will uh, will maybe drive this industry a little bit? Oh, I think that's very, uh, very much so. I think, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I kind of look at it and say, well, uh, there's, you know, there's an equilibrium there between what the labor side, and I don't care whether we're talking about a general laborer uh, <laughs> putting the product up or, or what, what area the labor field they're in, uh, I think there becomes a deal when the earnings level gets to be enough that the workforce out there says, okay, we'll go to this area instead of whatever they're going to now. I think that'll happen. Yeah, I really do. And I think that's the kind of thing, though, too, that uh, wherever you are in the cycle, uh, you know, you're not going to be in, you're not going to be in that position in the cycle for a long, long time. I mean, it's going to change and it'll come back to the same points at some point in time also. I believe. Yeah. Is our industry, is it a, a little tougher to, not to get into it, the barrier of entry is very low, but what you have to know and what you have to understand to be, to excel in this industry, is it a little tougher to prosper, I guess? That's a good question. Um, I don't know that I have a firm feel or answer to that. I think I think a lot of that really is driven by the person, because uh, and and this I don't have anything to back that up, but I just kind of have a belief that regardless of what you do and. Uh, there are those people that excel at it, and there are those that don't. I'll give you an example. In, in our, don't quote the percentages, but in our field, as an example, uh, we're going to take uh, lumber and building material salesmen. That, that's all they do, they're salesmen. All right, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of... Uh, 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 20, 30, 40% are 
not going to make it. Uh, 20, 30, 40% are mediocre. Uh, but when you get right down to it, the percentage of those that really, really, really excel in the field is less than 10%. And like I said, I don't remember exactly what they are, but I know you have a, a certain percentage that aren't going to make it. You have a pretty big percentage that's, you know, mediocre. You have another uh, quite a little bit smaller percentage that's between mediocre and the top performers, and the top performers are a very small percentage. Yeah, and I have absolutely nothing to base this on, but, but I would almost have to think that there's a lot of industries that would fall somewhere in those ranges. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't care if it's insurance salesmen or real estate agents. I would have to think that you're going to have a very small percentage that are going to be your, your top performers. You're going to have a pretty big bulk percentage that's just average people. And then you have another uh, um, probably fairly healthy percentage that is going to be some of those that are, are just bouncing along the bottom are not going to make it at all. They'll be in, the, they'll be in another industry. I, yeah, I think that's, I think that's very, I, I don't have any numbers either, but I, I could easily see that that is the case. You can pick that out. I mean, my goodness, go into a, go into any store you want, grocery store, hardware store, clothing store, whatever, <laughs> uh, Walmart. And if you hang around and watch the people that are working there, or the ones that wait on you, if you go to a place many times or whatever, you will find those that appear to be much better at what they're doing than the rest. Yes. I, I think that's, I think that's. I think that's going to be part for the course, no matter what course you're on. Exactly. I do too. Yeah. So now we've covered the past, we've covered the present, and we've covered the future. Do you have any closing thoughts before we depart? Well, it's been a very good career for me. It's uh, something that I have enjoyed uh, or probably wouldn't have stayed at it nearly as long. Uh, but it's, it's an interesting feel, and, and something you said at the beginning there was, you know, it's if you look at the building material industry, that is a, uh, you know, that is an industry that is, it's going to be needed around for, you know, I can't imagine that, that as long as mankind is here that there isn't going to be need for, you know, shelter and building materials and service in that industry and so forth and so uh you know when the pandemic uh, came on you know uh, uh the, this field was considered to be one of the uh fields that was a, a necessary industry and and i do believe that 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 is spot on as to what you said and that that i just can't imagine that that part of it will change now <laughs> everything else in it probably will speed and change and all that good stuff but i really cannot i can't even feature what could replace that uh, and and you know uh, as i said it's been very very good 
I've enjoyed it. Uh, uh, I'd hate to have spent this much time in something I didn't enjoy, but it it it's been it's been it's been good. It's 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 uh, given uh, us a good life, uh, and 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 I'm I'm talking about you know there there's. Uh, things are important to 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 make a good life. Now I'm not talking about finances. I'm just talking about you know all of the other things that that go along with that. And and uh, I have no regrets whatsoever that uh, uh, that that I came into this field. I'm not sure. Uh, still can't tell you a good reason why, other than I was looking for a paycheck at one point in time. But you know um, I'm I have no regrets whatsoever. And I've enjoyed this time with you on this session. I appreciate you taking the time and sharing with us. My pleasure to do it. I hope that people find it at least not too boring on my part. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. This is the Building the Future podcast. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe. Please like and share. You can find out more at our website www.buildingthefuturepodcast.com. Together we are building the future.